You may be seated. I always want to surprise you, Jackie. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, i keep you on your toes. Uh, good morning, everybody, again. Um, it's just so good, you know. That we don't, we, all the things that happen um, behind the scenes that we don't know about, you know. Um, Fred had to come in this morning. Nothing worked when, we, when they turned it on. <laughs> I said to Tammy, I said, nothing's working. <laughs> So we called Fred right away, and he came down, and he got it all fixed up. Bless his heart, Tammy's back there. I said, Tammy, the difference between Tammy and I and Fred is, is huge. Tammy and I are, you know, our wit's end. You know, life is over, as we know it, when all this happens. Fred comes in, and he's calm and sedate, and you got a problem? Well, let's fix it. And I'm sitting there going 90 miles an hour, and he's, I think he's in first gear yet, you know. He's, he's not excited a bit. He's, I, why is this working? So all that stuff happens behind the scene. Ken, you know, does all of his things out in the parking lot for everybody out there, and, and nobody sees that but him and, and, um, and uh, all, the, all the things that uh, financially that happens is just unbelievable. And, and all, all the stuff that's going on on the scenes. I think the roof is done out, out on the sanctuary, so praise God for that if you want to look at it. Done. Okay, very good. So praise God for all the things that are happening. So when we come, the reason I say all that this morning is because of, we come to John chapter 6. And, and boy, if you have a Bible with you at home or here uh, in the car, turn to John chapter 6. And friends, we should bring our Bibles if you want to, because you, you want to go through. I know I go through the scriptures real quick sometimes, but if you yell at me, wait, I'll stop. Okay, but we can't wait too long this morning. We have to be out of here by 11. Right? Isn't that right, everybody? Because you've got to go up to Lopperwood and turn left. And, and there's a big auction going on. Don't worry about it. We'll be out by then, I'm sure. Um, when, we, when we look at John chapter 6, you can't look at John chapter 6 by itself, is what I'm saying. Uh, it, literally, it starts back in John chapter 4. If you want to put John chapter 6 in context, go back to the discussion Jesus has with the woman at the well. The woman at the well is, is a powerful statement that Jesus makes there, but um, it's like everything else unless we really um, look at God's word and digest it. We, we glance over that and say, oh, he was talking to some woman he shouldn't have been talking to. Well, no, that's not the whole gist of it. The gist of it is that this woman who was there at the wrong time of the day because she wasn't welcome to come with the other ladies because, after all, she was the sinner and they weren't. Um, you know how that goes, don't we? <laughs> but she was there and Jesus offered her something. Jesus offered her something that is just as powerful as what he offers today in our scripture in John six thirty five. He says to her, he says, Lady, if you really want to get some water that will quench your thirst, you need me. Now, we don't, we don't quite understand that unless we understand the well that she's at. The well that she's sitting at is not a typical well. Most of the wells that you see uh, in, in the United States and around the world is a hole dug down in the ground and the water seeps into it. And it sits there stagnant and it doesn't move until somebody takes it out. Right? This well that she's sitting at isn't like that at all. 
this well where she's sitting at, when you let the, bu- uh, uh, the bucket down in to get the well, it was a well, it was water moving through the bottom of that well. It was living well. It was a living well, in other words. It was a living water. And she was going to get some of that water, but she knew that she would thirst later on and have to come back to that well at a different time when all the other ladies were there. And she could get some more of that water that was good water. In West Virginia, where my mother-in-law lived, they, they took a pipe and stuck it in the side of this hill. And, and, um, and water came out of it. But nobody ever thought to clean it up. You know, and there was, a, there was a great big pipe like that, you know, three or four inch pipe, and it had moss in it. I, I couldn't drink it because I thought there was animals living in there. <laughs> if they had cleaned that pipe up so it was clear, it would have been good. She got water from it every, every uh, week. She would go over there, drive across the road, and get that water out of that. And it, when you drank it, it cracked your teeth. It was that cold, you know, and that pure. You know, it was perfect water. There's nothing wrong with it. I just thought, well, I'm not, that moss just done me in. But anyways, you know, it's a, it was living water. Jesus says to her, and he says to us today, if you really want to quench your thirst, quit trying to do it with this water. Grab me. I'm the, I'm the water that will quench your thirst forever. Now, then we come into John chapter 6, and all, the, all that's going on, I mean, Jesus has walked across the, the sea. He's fed the 5,000. And then we hear in, 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 um, in John chapter 6, verse 35, these words. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever... Whoever aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more, ever. This is the word of God for all people, amen? Thanks be to God, yeah. So (laughs) Jesus um, says here to all the people around him something that they are, again, very much aware of and understand. He says, I am the bread of life. Um, And I want to share just three Three quick things with you this morning um, about that statement and what it, the power behind it. I think it's a, a, an empowering statement, a wonderful statement, a statement that you and I need to uh, digest. And, and six times in this John chapter 6, he says to everybody, I am the bread. Lest we forget today, he says, I am the bread. Every time you take this, remember, remember what I've done for you. So let me give you three things just real quick. The first thing, if you want to write these down and, and then digest them later on if you want to and the, and the scriptures will go with them, is um, when Jesus says, I am the bread, he's talking about the spiritual bread. He's talking about a spiritual bread that we can't have any other way. It's in verse 27. Don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval, friends. There, I, I, I really struggled with this one today because I have some things I want to share with you that are difficult. Uh, and I'm not into, I'm into the more, not the good news gospel, but um, I'm into building up, not tearing down. But here's, a, this is a, a concept that you and I need to understand in your life that you, that, you, that you must have that statement that I am in Christ, that I have accepted him as my Savior, and I trust him for my eternal life. That's a terrible thing to be sharing today. I want you to know that. 
when I was in seminary, when I was in seminary and I was writing my, my thesis um, to graduate, uh, seven of my peers was with me for those four years and two professors. One of them was a trustee, one of them was a professor, only a, a te- it was a New Testament professor, as a matter of fact. And I wrote my paper, and all, all nine of them, all nine of them came back with the same review. They said, you're going to get chewed up, and we doubt if you pass with this paper. And I said, okay, can you tell me why? And you know what they all said? They said, you mentioned Jesus too much. <laughs> so I handed my paper in, and I said, that's great. If they don't pass me because I talk about Jesus too much, praise God, amen? Hmm. I was serving a church one time, and, um, and every Monday morning, the matriarch would come into, the sanction, into my office and, and um, spend about an hour with me, chewing me out. She said, you mentioned Jesus way too much yesterday. <laughs> in, the, in the worship service. And I said, I know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Next week I'll do it better. And the next week I'll do it even better and talk about Jesus, you know. And every week she would come in and I'd always apologize and say, next week I'll do better. And every week she'd come in. One, one time she came in, 13 times. I counted every one of them, 13 times you talked about Jesus. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it won't happen again. I hope it does more. <laughs> I, I, I want to share with you the, just how... how terrible this dynamic is. We have this spiritual bread in front of us. And there are a lot of seminaries today. And God, uh, I'd ask you to forgive me for this judgment, but there are a lot of seminaries today producing pastors that know nothing about Jesus Christ. Most, some seminaries today don't even preach about and teach about who Jesus is, let alone who he was. They don't share, so people are coming out um, of seminary where we don't need to cross. Everybody's okay because all we want to do is preach a social gospel that everything is fine. God will not send anybody to hell. That's the, the truth. They come up with that statement, and that's a true statement, my friends. God is not going to send anybody to hell. We're going to make that choice ourselves. Amen? You all with me? It's rough stuff, isn't it? The gospel today is a social gospel that says we don't need the spiritual food. The social gospel becomes much more pleasing. We don't need to worry about asking Christ to die for our sins since we're okay. You have to go back to verse 26. I passed over that verse, but Jesus says to them, the people have come and said, how did you get over here? And he says to them, you've come looking for me not... Not because you saw God in my actions, but because you saw food, free food. McDonald's can't be dead, can they? It was just a sack lunch that Jesus multiplied all that time. Jesus is saying to them, and he's saying to us today especially, that um, there's meat that does good stuff for us, but it doesn't do anything for us. It sustains us, but it doesn't continue that. It's going to perish. He says he is the bread that we need to look for. 
um, for that everlasting life. That spiritual bread, Jesus is it. We need to quit looking anyplace else and thinking that we can do it ourselves. And I guess the question that we need to ask ourselves here this morning is what are we searching for today? A social gospel or a good news gospel that says Jesus is the Lord of my life, you know? And so many people would say to us that um, they're looking for that social gospel. Don't want to be challenged any other way. Well, let me share another thought with you. It's not only spiritual bread, but it's supernatural bread. When he says, I am the bread of life, when I am the bread of life, uh, I am the bread of life, he says that it's a supernatural thing. Look at verse 30. Why don't you give us, give us a clue, they say to Jesus, who you are, just a hint of what's going on in this world. When we, when we see that, when we see that, we'll commit ourselves. Can you show us something that you can do powerfully? Duh. Can we all say duh? <laughs> all these people he's talking to, he just fed the day before. You know, and they didn't see the miracle of God. All they saw was their bellies was full, was full. And it's a strange concept to think that we are the same people today. God will do miraculous things in our lives, and then we'll walk away from it and not, not, not even so much as say, by your leave. Mrs. Pudwell, Mrs. Oh, Mrs. Pudwell was a great lady. She had been a missionary in, in Haiti. She was a nurse for 15 years. When I saw her, she had, it was at the end of her 15th year. And, and at, at 15 years, she was seeing 150 Haitians every day. Patients. And what they had to do is, uh, to get in to see her, they had to go to a worship service. And um, there would be a, a whole mess of folks and they're going to a worship service. And then they would come out and their offering had to be a dime. And then they could get in line to see Mrs. Pudwell. And she did everything as a nurse for these folks. Um, and I said to her, I said, this is just amazing. She says, yeah, it's only been like this for the last two or three years. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, when I first came here, uh, I have the same setup that we come and preach the gospel to them, share with them that they need to pay something. And we charge them a dime. And then mostly it's... Um, um, penicillin and, and things like that. They have, you know, um, um, diarrhea and, and malnutrition and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, nothing major, you know what I mean? And she would you know, fix them up and they would be good. And the next day she would never see them again until the next time they needed that. And I said, well, what, what changed everything? And she said, well, she said, uh, uh, at that point she said, uh, um, a minister came in um, a Haitian minister came in and was preaching here, and he said that he said to everybody that the voodoo priest can't heal you; he only takes your money and kills your chicken, and he can't do anything else. And all the people heard that, and he said, "But Mrs. Pudwell can give you the things that you need if you would just pay attention." Well, um, he was preaching real loud because the next hut over was the voodoo priest, and he wanted the voodoo priest to hear that he was demeaning him and telling him he couldn't do anything that he was saying he could do. And all of a sudden, people started coming because they believed a couple people started coming. And all of a sudden, then more people came because their children would get better instead of get worse after they saw, saw Mrs. Pudwell. And I said, oh, that's really good. And she said, no, it's not good. <laughs> and she continued the story. And I said, what do you mean? She says, well, they save a dime. 
They save a dime. They give everything they can to the voodoo priestess, give him all, of his chick- all their chickens, everything to the voodoo priestess, and then when it doesn't work, then they come to me as a last resort. And they save that dime so, because they all know it takes a dime to get in to see her after you have your worship time. Oh, my. My, my, my. A supernatural thing. And we keep grabbing a hold of things of this world. Uh, it, he even brought up, if you want to look at it, it's in verse 31 through 35. It, uh, Jesus brought up, or they brought up, that um, Moses, you know, fed us in the, in the desert in the desert and uh, took care of us. Why can't you show us something like that? Do something, they say to him. Give us another sign. And, and I, I hope you know, Jesus gave lots of signs. He, if you listen to the Gospel of John, for example, there's no parables. But there's a lot of analogies, okay? Everything in John is an analogy that Jesus is talking about. This is one of them today. If we're worried about seeing signs... Um, I hate to say this to you, but God gives us a sign every day. Thousands of them. And they don't change us. So don't look for signs. Look for um, um, the Son of God, the supernatural. Jesus looked at them, and after they brought up the Moses thing, he looked at him. and he says, you guys are so stupid. That's what he said in a gentle way. He said, you're so stupid, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread. It was God that gave you the bread. He sent that bread down from heaven and he gave it to you every day. He used Moses as a person to make sure you got it. Now he's done something amazing. He sent the bread down from heaven to die for you. That's the supernatural part of it. We, if we're looking for signs, my friends, we're in a lot of trouble. Listen. Everything that you read about in this Bible that we carry around, these, these 66 books, 67 books, every, every one of them that you read points to Jesus. All, all of the Old Testament, the miracles that happened there, um, all the prophecies that happened, all point to Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. Everything in there points to the supernatural bread. And if you haven't seen that, you need to go back and say, okay, Lord, help me to see Jesus in this. Every aspect of it, especially when you get to the names. Don't those drive you crazy? You know, okay, Lord, just show me what you want me to see in here, you know. And, and, um, and, and Jabez is right in the middle of everything. If you don't know about Jabez, one day we'll talk about him. Jesus is that spiritual bread, the supernatural bread. Let me give you one more. Just one more thought for us to think about today as we get ready to take this communion. Not only is he that um, spiritual bread for us and that supernatural bread, but he's the satisfying bread. Satisfying bread. And it's in verses 47 through 51. I'm telling you the most solemn and sober truth now. Whoever believes in me has real life, eternal life, satisfying why look at it in verse 48, same as in verse 35, verse 51, 58. I am the bread of life. Yes, your ancestors ate the man in the desert and died. Mm. But now there is, there is bread. And if your Bible doesn't have bread there capitalized, get a different version because it should be capitalized right there. He's talking about, but now here is bread. And he's talking about Jesus out of heaven. And anyone 
who consumes this bread will not die ever. Ron died this week. Bad news, friends. He didn't die. Sorry about that. He's more alive now than he's ever been. Amen? Say that about everybody that's passed away. I am the bread, the living bread, the one who came down out of heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live, and I mean live forever, the bread that I present to the world so that it can, I present, that I present to the world so that it can eat and live is me. This flesh and blood God sent down is me, myself, I. Mm. Everybody around him at that point got kind of excited. How in the world do we do that? How in the world do we eat his bl- flesh and drink his blood? It's impossible. It's impossible. And Jesus says, yes, you're right. It is impossible because that's not what I'm talking about. Grab a hold of this. Jesus isn't telling us to be cannibals. Never does he say that. Never does he say that we're actually eating the blood of Christ and, uh, or the blood, uh, the, drinking the blood of Christ or eating the bread, body of Christ. Never does he say that. He says, the blood that I will give you is my flesh and I give it for the life of the world. Grab a hold of that. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to die on the cross just for you, just for you. And that's what's satisfying in our lives, that we don't have to go someplace else. We don't have to do anything else, but remember what he did for us. Today, as we take this, this communion, as we prepare our hearts, it's about consuming him. And remembering, he, he gave us this to do nothing more than to satisfy our heart, our mind, so that we would remember always what he has done for us. He's not telling anyone to eat. He's telling us, if you want my flesh, you want my, you drink my word, here's what you need to do. It's in verse um, 630, 663. He says, um, the words that I speak unto you are what I'm talking about, and they are the life you must seek. Grab a hold of that six, chapter 6, verse 63, and consume it a little bit. Understand that, that um, God's word is what we're supposed to be um, hunkering onto. And, and that's where we find this, this um, satisfying um, bread, this supernatural bread, this spiritual bread that God wants us to grab a hold of. It's not in, in um, any concept of, um, of um, uh, being cannibalistic. It's not that at all. Look at John, uh, write these scriptures down real quick too if you want to. John fifteen seven goes like this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's the consuming that he wants us to take. Look at John chapter 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, they will keep my word and my father will love them and they will come to him and, make, and we will make our home with him. We're going to have a home with him. I've been saying it to you a lot of times. You know, what I, my whole um, concept is this, that people will understand it as much as Phyllis and I uh, can do it, that we have this home. When they look at Phyllis Ann, they see me. When they look at me, they see Phyllis Ann, because that's, that's who we are together. Amen? We're that close. I know what she's thinking and when she's thinking it. She doesn't even have to tell me. She doesn't know that for me because I'm too complex. You know, no. <laughs> No, she knows it more than me. She knows me more than I know myself. Somebody would ask me, and uh, um, I, think it was, I think it was Paul the other day, said, you're asking the wrong person. If you want to know that, ask Phyllis Ann. Yeah. Is that right? That's the way I want to be with God. That's the way I want to be with Jesus. 
that when you, when you talk with me, praise God, it's nothing but talking with the Father, talking with the Son, being together so close. And then John 10.10 10 is our favorite one that we should be grabbing a hold of. He says, this thief, the social gospel, comes to do nothing but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have eternal life, have eternal life, and have a better life than you could ever even begin to have dreamed of right now. Amen? Praise God. Now, as we get ready to take this Holy Communion today, I want you to know that, that we need to take it as Jesus did when he, when he did that epiclesis. If you don't know what that word epiclesis is, when he evoked the power of God, the Holy Spirit, to come down into this bread and become that body broken for him, come down into that, that wine at that time, that juice for us today, and, and fill it with his presence. It does something for us. It consumes our body and goes in places we can't even begin to figure out to heal us and to change us and to cause us to, to um, say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this, this supernatural power, this spiritual power, this satisfying power is, is in this holy community. It illustrates who Jesus is in our lives. That's the power behind this holy communion. He is. He is the bread of life. And the words he says that I speak to you are filled with the Spirit and they are nothing more than life. My goodness, friends. Look at chapter 6. Start with chapter 4 and go through 21. <laughs> well, let's join together in this, this um, Holy Communion today and remember all the um, words and caps are yours.